Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. And the second lesson is, the New Testament lesson, I appeal to you from Romans, chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of another, one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. So Jesus is on the way to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus is always having these great conversations on the way somewhere, right? It's like walking down the road. So, who do they say the Son of Man is? And the Son of Man is a good question to ask because it's like he's being the teacher and mentoring the disciples a little bit because the Son of Man is a, is a feature, is a, is a concept that's come through the centuries that there will be this creature. So it's like, who's this role, the Son of Man? And the disciples say, well, some say it's Elijah, some people say, you know, they give all possibilities. Okay. Now, who do they say that I am? And I love this question that Jesus asks. Because it's, you could read it like a, like a gotcha question, like one of those rhetorical questions that only has one answer, and the person who gets it right gets a little star. And, hey, who do they say that I am? They say that you're, you know, it's like the children's sermon, when someone was describing, what's a what's small and, and furry and lives in a hole and comes out and sees the shadow. Monkey raises his hand is like, well, it sounds like Groundhog, but the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm confused, you know, it's like, who do they say I am? Hmm. Well, it sounds like you're this, but I know it's this, or something. And so nobody answers. I can see it. They're, they keep walking. What do they say I am? And I, we don't know from tone of voice. <coughs> we don't know if Jesus is quizzing people. We don't know if he's just being incredibly vulnerable. Like, help me reflect on who they think I might be. Or how am I coming across? Are people getting it? Are they getting what I'm saying? What are they saying about me? You have ears to the ground. They don't tell me these things. You know, it's just like today. We don't 
I always know what people are saying about us, right? Well, if we want some feedback, maybe say, huh? What are they saying? So he opens himself up to this. You know, what do they say about that? And then, what do you say about me? Are you guys getting it? Are you getting Do you know what's going on? And Peter, bless his heart, Peter is the one who like, always gets it wrong. You know? Peter just, he, he, he's convinced he's going to get it right, and he's going to do it right, he's going to do the right thing, and he just always gets it wrong, but this time he gets it right. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, because that's his name, son of Jonah. You are Peter. You are rock. Peter is the Latin um, for, for rock, or Petros. Latin for rock. You are rock. You are Peter. You sound as rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, what does that Because people have been getting that right and wrong in different things over the centuries, too. I mean, the you know, for years, for centuries, the the church believed that that on this rock meant actually on Peter, so that it's still in the Catholic Church and in the Episcopal Church they can train, they, they can trace their ordination, the, the ordination of bishops, back to someone who laid hands on them, who laid hands on them, who laid hands on them, who laid back to Peter, because it was on Peter. It's very important to show that apostolic succession. I think it's different than. I don't think it's about the person of Peter. Like, oh, Peter's a fine guy. It's wrong sometimes. That's okay. So do I. More often than not. Um, I think it's his faith confession. It's his testimony that the, that's the rock that the church is built on. What's the rock? The rock is you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the rock on which the church I was driving by, I went to see my fair lady at the Guthrie yesterday, and if it's still running and you have a chance to get up there and see it because it's fantastic. But I'm driving home and I saw a church sign that said, it's not the first one it says, Jesus, that Christ died for your sins. Or, you know, Christ died to save for you. I went, okay, that's nice. It's a little tiny part of the story. And that's not even, that's not even the the heart of it. That's not, that's not the rock on which the church was built. I am, you are the Messiah. You're the one, the anointed one. You're the one who came to save us. You are the Son of the living God. That's the rock on which the church is built. One of the things that happened is that we are set free from the power of sin. Not from the consequences of sin. From the eternal power of sin. So now we've got this hanging out there. What do you do with that? What, what does it mean to be the church that's built on that rock? Well, Paul helps us out here. Look at later down the line. Actually, you consider it's when Matthew was written versus when Paul was written a little earlier down the line. But Paul helps us out with his body of Christ image. That you the church of the body of Christ. That's who you are. 
That's who Christ is. If I am the, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is the rock on which the church is built, then the church springs from that rock. The church comes from that foundation. And you are the body of Christ. The arms and legs and mind and heart and spirit of Christ in the world. And that's what Paul is constantly reminding people. He's not sitting down writing these long theological treatises in the you know, quiet of some room. He's in the context of people trying to figure out what it means to be this new way and this new relationship with God and to be with Christ. And he's like, here's the thing, you are Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are, you are how Christ is in this world now. And then he says, my, one of my favorite things ever. I gotta read it exactly because I'm good at memorizing. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not to be killed, but it just means be all in with this. Be all in. You know, lean way in. Be all in. Present your body. Be willing to give up some of yourself to be all in with, with this message, with this being the church, with being the body of Christ. Be all in with it. Be, present yourself as a living sacrifice. And then, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what's the this world Paul's talking about? Well, he's talking about the world in which the talking about the world of the empire, for one thing, the world in which where Rome is the kind of oppressive empire and is expecting conformity to Rome and to empire. He's talking about a world in which there's a tremendously unequal economic system, a world in which there's an oppressive power structure where there's a whole lot of religious leaders who are really set in their ways and not receptive to change, where the empire uses religious leaders to control the people, and where there's a mistrust of people from the margins and from outside, a distrust of strangers. So I'm confused. Paul talking about where he lives or where I live? Because they sound like the same world. Sounds like the same things are going on. Sounds like people are still being conformed to the world, conformed to the outside structures. I've been reading this week on a couple of different fronts. One is I keep trying to read about what's happening in Ferguson, Missouri as a result of the tremendous um, racial tension that's happening there, which opens up just so many cans of worms about our system and about the way we've militarized our police and about the way we marginalize people and, and about hatred and uh, about conforming to different belief systems and conforming to the reality of racism, et cetera. That's conforming to this world. 
So I've been reading about that, and I've been reading about this amazing thread of emails from the group of people, within the group of people with whom I undertook a leadership program four years ago. We spent a year together um, in four retreats over the course of that year. And one of them is right now living in Israel and has been living in Israel throughout this shelling and throughout the, um, this war. And he's, he writes with great compassion his perspective of, of, what, of what he sees and the reality that he lives under. And he says, you know, you, y'all, you don't know anything because you're not used to going to every store you go to not only has a bomb shelter, but you know where it is and you've used it. Because you don't know that reality. That's, that's how we're living all the time now. That your apartment building has a bomb shelter and you know where it is and you've used it. You know, he's only been in four shelling attacks where he's had to take shelter. There have been over 3,000. And he writes with firm, with, from one firm opinion about Hamas and um, Gaza and Palestinians. And then I read stuff from the other side, and I don't know always where to go and who to think. And yet I trust Stuart, who's like a brother to me. And I know I have to open my heart and listen to his words. I need not to be conformed to the standard of this world, but I need to renew my mind I need to allow new things in. I need to open it up with, and I need to have the heart of Christ in it so that I can take new information and renew it and be transformed by it and maybe come to a new place of understanding. I need to listen to the voices of my friends who are black and have a whole different take on the situation in Ferguson than I hear on the primarily white mainstream media, and certainly that I would hear on the, some of the cable channels. I need to listen to those voices that are on the margins, those voices that are in the experience, those voices that challenge me to open my own mind and my own heart and to be changed, to be transformed by it. And I'm not the only one who needs to do that. We all need to do it. We need to seek out other sources of information. First of all, we need to look for what else can I read? Because everything I'm reading seems to have this. When everything I'm reading about something has the same take on it, I know it's time to look for one or two other voices just to let something in. Because we live in a world right now, this is different than Paul's. In a way, our world is smaller than Paul's world was in the Roman Empire. And that because ideas flowed freely on amazing roads that they had, and, and people met and gathered, and more and more now we live in a place where it's easy to conform to the world because we can so create a bubble that is like, that, that conforms to us. We can listen to the news the way we want to hear it. We can talk to the people that agree with us. We can um, seek out like-minded people. And it's not really hard, because 
Increasingly, we live in neighborhoods where people pretty much think the same and do the same. And, and, and we need to find difference to keep opening our minds and our hearts so that we can be transformed. I don't know into what. I'm assuming to be more transformed into truly being the body of Christ. Because that's our call, brothers and sisters. Be transformed into the body of Christ. And I'm thinking that if Jesus walked into many of our churches, walked into Ferguson, Missouri, he walked into I don't know what you think if you walked into Jerusalem right now. I don't know what anyone I don't think. But if you walk into some of those places, I can tell you he's not siding with the power structures. He's not siding with the police department that thought it was okay to shoot an unarmed guy six times and leave him to leave him in the middle of the street and excuse the officers. Jesus is not siding with that. He's not saying that's okay. And he's not siding with us. We are not on the side of right if we don't try to understand what this says about who we are as a people. And if we don't open our hearts again to examine our own biases, of the own the things to which we conform. Because we are the body of Christ. That means we need to have the mind of Christ. And what we know about the mind of Christ is that he stood with the outcast, he healed the leper, he reached out to the marginalized, he helped the poor, he taught to women what he wasn't supposed to do. He, he always was pushing the boundaries and not conforming. So if you're going to conform to anything, that would be a good place to start with. Conform to Christ and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of our mind is not something that happens accidentally or it just happens. It's something we consciously create. It's our job. It's our action to seek out and read and learn and understand it's our job to build empathy, to be able to understand. Robert McNamara, in his book, 1991, The Fog of War, said that the difference between the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Vietnam War, one of them, was that Kennedy was able to have empathy with the Soviet Union and understand some of what they were thinking about. And that helped him frame his response. In Vietnam, we didn't bother enough to learn about what the realities were in the culture. We did not have empathy with the people, and they never saw us as anything other than a colonial power that was trying to oppress. Well, that's Rome. That's all of those things. And we had no capacity and didn't try to understand. So what if we really, instead of battling our, our, our enemies, Try to feel 
Try to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits. And so be transformed, renewed, and made whole. And so fully be body of Christ. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.